This episode of Eye to Eye is brought to you by Janique Locks. If you're looking to get started, there's no better place. She specializes in all kinds. Dreadlocks, micro locks, sister locks, lock extensions, instant locks, interlocking, and more. If you're in the 757, please don't hesitate to contact her. You can find her on Instagram at Janique Locks. That's G-E-N-I-Q-U-E-L-O-C-S, Janique Locks. Or you can find her at her website, JaniqueLocks.com. Janique Locks, where locks are envied. All right, let's go ahead and start this podcast, man. and I kept it but man of his word <laughs> it's a little empty because justice ain't even here I, I know. feel like I'm gonna have to do it again yo I'm doing it again next week okay Just let it be known now yeah I'm, I didn't even finish like I was gonna do a you already know but, the whole thing yeah yeah I'm uh, I'm, uh, well, I'm gonna do something specifically for her whatever okay. it is that can creep her out this that. week you get done Luca is everyone's father <laughs> right now yes he is <laughs> He is sunning kids. He oh. is sunning kids. Lord. Anyway, hey, ladies and gentlemen, welcome. <laughs> welcome. Welcome to the latest episode of Eye to Eye, short for Inspired to Inspire, the podcast that's all about being open, honest, and real, having conversations about life and faith. And as always, we are willing to boldly go where most folks trying to. And tonight, we have a special edition of Boldly Going. Actually, it's not that special. We just keep getting the same things that we got to boldly go on. Yes. So Every mission is a bold one. Yeah. Yeah, it is. I, beyond a shadow of a doubt, feel that all in, in my heart of hearts and in my Shondo and, and whatever else I got to feel it in. That, that's, that's, that's where I feel it. So that's what we about to do. Yeah. But uh, yeah, my name is Jordan. My name is Devin. And again... Justice is hiding uh, because of my excellent Darth Vader impersonation. But either way, we're glad to have you rocking with us. Um, and on tonight, we're going to have conversations. Uh, the Petty Eddie is actually going to turn into uh, a, a pretty big deal just because accountability is necessary. Um, and speaking of accountability, uh, here we go again. Surprise, surprise. Another case in the news this week about a, a young African-American man being shot. And so uh, we're going to mic a 6-8 that up real quick. But, uh, Dev, I, I suppose that you're doing well, sir. I am. You know, yesterday was Mamba Day. And you can tell that it's so much a part of our culture that even my mother texts me at like Come on now. 5 a.m. my time, which is like 2 a.m. her time. I don't even know what she was doing up. So she must have had a fitful night. So, so she, uh, she texted me, happy Kobe day. And uh, I told her, thank you. Fortunately for me, I missed out on, on the first release of some Kobe shoes, but I did hit that jersey. Yes, you did. And I'm super excited about it. And uh, there's still a few more chances this week. We'll see. We'll see. 
So I'm doing, I'm doing good. And how are you doing? You know, man, I'm good. I'm, I'm kind of vacating right now and then kind of not because every time I turn around, I got something I got to do. But I remember I said, are you going to enjoy a nice, uh, like a one month sabbatical here? And you're like, yeah, that's what it's going to be. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean, I just, I, I knew but every time I turned around, that was something I was going to have to do. Um, and I'm not that I didn't want to do it, but I was just like, okay, if I define what a vacation is, this ain't it. So we'll just call this a breather from normal vocational activities. Right. <laughs> and right. we'll kind of pick it back up. I mean, considering the number of, of plates you have spinning and balls you have juggling, it's, it's technically been a little bit less for maybe like a week. But that's about all. <laughs> I guess uh, you, can, you can say that. That's, that's fine. But um, yeah, so uh, where do we start? Man, <sighs> I guess we can petty Eddie this real quick. Yeah, probably. I mean, last week we we did kind of take the week off. We got to talk about the NBA. We got to talk about Hamilton. As much fun as the NBA would be to talk about, people just keep doing life wrong and getting in our way. <laughs> if, yeah. if people would just get along and be kind, then we wouldn't have to worry about having to talk about their, their craziness. But unfortunately, yeah. they keep forcing material upon us. <laughs> So it's very true. You know, I would, this ain't a job by any means. We call it a labor of love, but it's definitely not a job. But if it was, bro, let me tell you, we have job security like nobody's business. This we is, do. Uh, and if it yeah. was a job, I'd probably quit because some weeks are tough. <laughs> so it has to be a labor of love. <sighs> yeah, absolutely. 100%. But you know what? Hey, here's the mama day. Here's to all of the, you know, we, we can, we can, uh, we could spiritualize the crap out of that and, and say that, that Kobe was definitely still in the building. Uh, the fact that it was 24 to 8 at one particular point in time. Yeah. I brought that up and then you brought up the fact that it was 81. I, I wish they had played Toronto. That would have been perfect. Yeah. Um, well, actually, <laughs> Jamie corrected me on that. I had heard the announcer say that it was 81 at the half. And she's like, no, they had 82, I think. And I'm like, oh, well, that's fine. Not really. I, th I thought it was 81. It, I don't know. It might have been. It, it doesn't matter. The fact is it was close enough. And also, they beat the crap <laughs> out of Rip City, man. Like, yeah. Rip City got ripped real good. Just thinking about that, how often have you even seen the score in an NBA playoff game 24 to 8? Like, you, you never see that. No. So, it made it even more crazy. Just those, those weird coincidences that maybe they're not coincidence. Who knows? Yeah, no. I mean, for a minute, though, I, I really thought that Rip City wasn't going to score at all. <laughs> I got, I got kind of concerned. <laughs> as, as soon as McCullough made the first shot, I, I looked over at Jamie and said, I mean, we knew they were going to score eventually, right? And she's like, I don't right. know. <laughs> True story, bro. True story. But uh, yeah. yeah, so uh, kudos to them. Kudos to the playoffs. And actually, kudos to uh, everything that the folks in the NBA are, are continuing to do to to raise awareness for causes that can be defined as biblical, you know what I'm saying? Um, really looking for justice uh, in a, a fairly non-justice-filled situation. I guess that's the nicest way to put it. Yeah. Uh, but uh, we'll actually talk a little bit more about some stuff like that in a bit. But first, uh, we did want to go to the Petty Eddie, and, and this, is, um, this is my hypocritical moment because I said that we weren't going to make this a Petty Eddie, and then, well... <laughs> it just fit too good. Now, well, what happened was I was good until the Eddie made it too petty, and then it had to become a petty Eddie. 
Yeah, that's true. Like, uh, especially with everything that transpired last night. So I'm sure if you've been following, we've been looking at situations concerning uh, the now resigned uh, and former president of Liberty University, Jerry Falwell. And, you know, a few weeks ago, this was just a really, really funny story about something that he and he himself leaked. Right. And yeah, it, it, it could have been, we could leave well enough alone there um, and know that his just desserts will come in. But, you know, some people even had fears that he was going to end up not resigning and that he was going to be able to keep his position and that everything was going to be hunky-dory for him. But yeah, it, it became official yesterday, even though we thought it was official the day before, because then he said that he didn't want to make it official. Like I said, the man, he he petty this Eddie so, so doggone bad, man. Um, but yeah, so long story less, finally, uh, he announced that he would be resigning um, from Liberty University. And, you know, for what it's worth, one of the reasons why I didn't want to make him the petty Eddie was because, one, uh, this story doesn't deserve that much spotlight uh, for a few reasons. But if if I'm giving my main reason, it's because... Uh, even though, and this is the preamble to the conversation, he has told people repeatedly that he does not see himself as a Christian leader um, or see himself as somebody who would be a part of uh, leadership in any type of Christian movement, including white evangelicalism. Um, Here we are. He still is a huge representation of evangelicalism in general and not just white evangelicalism. And so when he does these things that bring this type of attention upon him, he's technically bringing it upon uh, his representative uh, faction of the church. And then this is what people think of Christianity. (laughs) And then, yeah, yeah, the hypocrisy continues. And I mean, yeah, nobody's perfect. Everybody, Everybody has a little bit of hypocrite in them, myself, yourself included. Uh, but it just it finally got to a point where he and, you know, we're going to talk about good old Frank Frank in about two seconds as well, <laughs> continue to do these things. Um, and I am really no judge of persons. But when it comes to accountability and the fact that I'm sorry, sir, you're the president of what could be considered the largest Christian college in the nation. You did not expect something like this to fall back on you and also have impact on the understanding of what it means to be a Christian. <laughs> And to move forward in the kingdom with with things like ministry, like you did, you really didn't expect that to happen. I'm I'm just trying to wrap my head around how anybody in their right mind can lead a Christian college, which means they're a leader, can be an mm-hmm. outspoken Christian, which means they're a Christian, but then just decide, listen, I'm I'm no kind of Christian leader. <laughs> That's not how that works. You don't get to pick and choose when you're held accountable. And yet, people in power seem to think that they get to do that all the time. Um, But no, you don't. And this is where the church and Christians in general have done such a horrendous job of actually holding anybody accountable for this type of behavior that's so anti-Christian. And, you know, you talk about hypocritical. Yes, we are all hypocrites in one form or fashion. But there, there is a special level when you're forcing students to sign these celibacy agreements to attend your college. And then meanwhile, the story that dropped recently drops where, I mean, (laughs) it's a little tawdry. And I mean, I'll boldly go there, but I don't know if Jordan wants me to boldly, boldly go there. (laughs) 
Man, I mean, it's fine, bro. This is what we do. Go ahead. All I know is I just want to say this. Nobody puts Jerry in the corner. <laughs> uh, I figured you were going to try and get one in. I mean, I had to. Yeah, that, yeah. This is my role. Yeah. This is what I do. Yeah, I guess it is what you do. I wouldn't know if I gave you that role, but <laughs> yeah, I feel you on that. You know, I just, um, I really, you, we can revisit first Timothy chapter three. We can, we can have any and every conversation that we want to about leadership. And I think, um, the thing that gets me most in this is, and now again, I'm not trying to be judgmental, but this is really a call a spade a spade situation. You, in Christian leadership, it doesn't necessarily mean that you have to be a, a preacher like you know it's not about or a pastor or or an, or an apostle or, no. or any parts of the fivefold ministry in, in ephesians chapter four when you are a leader you're a leader right and even if you're not that person remember what the fivefold ministry is about it's about equipping the saints to do the work of the lord even if that means it's in the marketplace right and yeah technically you want to consider yourself in the marketplace he wanted to say that he was a lawyer okay cool <laughs> i get that that makes perfect sense I know a lot of my, one of my biggest mentors, shout out to D. Holes, is a lawyer and probably one of the most upright dudes that I know and, 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 and desire to emulate to, to whatever extent. I, I can only imagine him telling me one day that because he's a lawyer, he doesn't have to keep the same guidelines. <laughs> yeah, I don't think it would work that way. And, right. and, the, and the worst part is you're telling us you're not a leader. Hmm. Sure seemed like you took every benefit that the leader would get in that position. Right. So, yeah. <sighs> that, that must be a nice life to just pick and choose all these amenities and all these benefits and be like, well, but I didn't come about those, those benefits based on anything I'm actually responsible for. Oh, okay. Cool. So, I guess there's a whole nother level. You know, we've talked this year, there's been a pretty common buzz phrase called white privilege. I guess we can talk about like Christian leadership <laughs> privilege too. Is that a thing? Because I mean, there are countless pastors who have just stepped in it over the last however many years and they're constantly being forgiven, protected, their behaviors are being dismissed or fingers are being pointed at other people. And it's like, this has to stop, man. There has to be some accountability when we're talking about leadership. Yeah, it's, I don't know. It's, it goes a little bit deeper than that. It's most certainly a lot bigger than some folks want to make it because that is not the culture that has been presented. And this is certainly not the culture that's been taught. There's a, a huge process. I was having a conversation about this a few weeks ago uh, about why uh, certain folks, especially millennials and Gen Zers, really do not want to participate in the church, why they don't want to go to church, why they don't want to be subject to that type of spiritual authority. And, you know, I can't even be mad at them. No, um, but this really does it. It takes its course, uh, but it's something that folks don't even recognize is is happening. There's a process of deification of Christian leadership in Western culture that is very, very toxic mm. because, to a certain extent, it basically puts them one rung under God and Jesus and everybody else. And I'm sorry, my righteousness is as filthy rags. If and when I do decide to be a pastor. I know that I can still be considered the lowest of the low and I'm going to treat myself that way. That's just how that works. Right. But that's not how that works in our culture. And the problem with it is it sets us up for a huge L when, like you're saying, said pastor, said Christian leader, said Falwell, takes the proverbial selfie with, with the proverbial, whoever that was in that picture, uh, with the proverbial pants unzipped 
and thinks that that's okay and thinks that they can get away with it because they probably haven't stayed in the word. If we're being completely honest, I don't care. You can preach, you can preach a hole in, in, in the ground, the size of, of a black hole. Um, and still not be living right. That's just... That's, <laughs> well, in context, now that we have a little bit more information, I suppose you think you could get away with that picture because of how much worse you've gotten away with. <laughs> yeah, I guess you got a point. Yeah. But we're, we're not going to focus on that, though. No, that's fine. But if you steal a car, you know, and you get away with that multiple times, stealing candy doesn't seem like that big of a deal. <laughs> so... Yeah, I guess that's fair. Yeah, whatever. Uh, <laughs> but... No, the, the big issue in this whole process of deification is as follows. When that person falters and the people that are underneath them see these faults of theirs, but they have these godlike expectations, then it discourages them from wanting to be under that leadership. And then what it does also is there's kind of a meta analogy underneath that where they assume automatically that because this deified individual falters, then so does the deity himself. And then they want nothing to do with God. And that's half the reason why a lot of them have walked out, probably more than half, have walked out of churches um, and walked away from the faith altogether. I don't know how or why our nation doesn't want to see that. Like, we don't even need to have conversations about all the other stuff we've been talking about concerning nationalism and the like. This is just, I'd say, common psychological sense. But I don't think people are really using their cognitive faculties to, to kind of understand this. And, you know, if I'm stepping on folks' toes, I'm stepping on folks' toes. But, you know, that's one of the reasons why the Eddie just got pettier and pettier is because when you begin to read and see everything that did happen, you know, and then the fact that he wanted to deny his own Christian leadership, which is wrought in the very identity in his family, <laughs> the legacy that his father yeah. set up. And regardless of what you think about him too, the bottom line is they have some type of significance in the evangelicalism, in the evangelicalism movement, yeah. if if you want to try and cast all that off to the side because you didn't want to wear that crown, I'm sorry, bro, that's not how that works. You should have just stepped down. You should have just been a lawyer. You should have just done all the things that you wanted to do, where you probably could not have been seen because the expectation of being in a position like that is automatically that you're going to be seen as a Christian leader. And there's no way that you cast that off. It just don't work like that, Playboy. I'm sorry. Yeah, that's one of the things that I think about quite a bit when you hear about like athletes or celebrities or people who end up in these positions where they're not doing anything illegal. They're doing things that some people might consider immoral. But when you think about it, it's like, you're. why are you pigeonholing yourself in these? If you want to live this certain life, then don't pick living this other life that's going to make living that life really, really, <laughs> really diabolically opposed and, and really put you in a place where your hypocritical ways are just, you know, 100 at that point. And what I appreciate about the younger generations is I feel like there's been a little bit of a, a cultural awakening. So we talk about kind of the, the, the great awakening that happened with people kind of understanding the difference between just absolute truth of what the church was telling you and then things maybe in science or philosophy or just kind of this other understanding of how to think or how to, to, to behave. And I think that that slowly started happening with some Gen Xers. I remember growing up and thinking to myself, all these absolutes that we were taught, like respect your elders. Oh, 
I mean, okay. But shouldn't we kind of respect everybody? Um, why is it just because somebody's old, they demand more respect? And I would think as a, as a younger person, I'm like, well, I'm happy to respect everybody. But eventually, they need to keep earning that respect. And there's right. this, this pushback that the younger generation has. And it's like, well, why are you telling me there's all these absolutes? And yet I'm playing by completely different rules than you're playing by. And no, no more do we see that, uh, unfortunately, more apparent than in this evangelical church in the West. We see that so much where it's like, you have to play by all of these rules. And constantly, people at the top are not playing by the same rules. And if I'm a young person and I'm looking to seek God or seek a faith or just learn more about something, and all I'm seeing is that there's just constant fires everywhere, whether it's greed, adultery, you know, lying, whatever it might be. Why on earth am I going to give any credibility to a movement like that? I'm not going to look at it because there's respect that I'm supposed to give to it, yet there's no respect even in its own walls. And there's certainly no respect given to me when I'm outside those walls. It's one of those things where people, this is a people just don't understand episode, ain't it? Um, <laughs> yeah. But th this, yeah, this is the, probably the, the worst one of them all though. Folks really just don't understand the Bible. Mm. I mean, grief. Um, you know, it was, it was one of those things where I know you've been at the great net campus, uh, the past few weeks I've been in Norfolk, uh, with, with Mish and, you know, shouts to pastor Jerry and all of his craziness, but you know, he's been kind of doing the layout like the rest of the team has concerning David and everything about David that people really don't know. Yeah, you would be surprised to know that David did this and David did that. And and the fact that David has such a series of imperfections that we never get a chance to see. The one-dimensional narrative that is taught about the little young Hebrew boy who, you know, slung the slingshot and, and, and killed the giant and but, you know, y'all miss, I mean, of course, yeah, you might hear about, you know, his, his episode of, of Netflix and, and, and chill and kill, but <laughs> all of the other things that are involved in his life, like, it's just, it's so magnanimous. There's so much more scope that needs to be given. And if you, if we ever read that, like, if we ever got outside of what he was talking about, like the Sunday school um, mentality of, of teaching the Bible, then maybe people would recognize that all of the the imperfections and, and all of the other things that we witness inside the church, um, you know, ain't nothing new. And maybe they would have just a little bit more grace if their leaders helped them to understand that leadership ain't perfect either. Please don't put me on this pedestal. Please do not deify me. Please understand that I can and will make mistakes. And when I do, please have grace to at least let me lead myself to you know, this repentant series that I would probably need to conduct for myself. But there's no, there's not I me. Mean, and, and I know that's where the line in the sand is drawn because there's no repentance being had by cats like uh, Falwell or even in some cases cats like Graham um, or other, other pastors out there. You know, they're, they're not really putting themselves in that position. They're not taking accountability. They're not, they're not owning up to stuff. And so what do you expect from, from folks, just like you said, like, if I'm not trying to stick around or something like that. I would peace out in two seconds flat if that happened in any church that I was in. I wouldn't care why. And I would tell everybody exactly why, too. And it's not about being a tattletale. It's about saying, yo, I, I'm more concerned about your spiritual health. 
than I am about anything concerning these folks. And may God help them and get them right and restore them and redeem them. But for now, nah, let boy, I'm gone. <laughs> the, uh, the first thought I had there was about the teaching of David itself. So you said something to the effect of, you know, if we, if we spend a lot of time, we would see these other things. Well, I mean, I remember growing up hearing about these other things. It's just that that's not what we choose to focus on. And, you know, I had a conversation with a friend of mine recently uh, when we were talking about this, this David thing. And I certainly, I don't want to be critical about David or the message of David. Like, I think there's plenty to be learned. But I, I keep finding myself realizing that men, especially men in America, tend to want to identify as Davids, these warriors, these great men of God, these, you know, kings, these leaders, you know, the ones who slayed Goliath. They, that's how they want to identify themselves. Well, if you want to identify yourself that way, you have to understand how horribly flawed David was. You also have to understand how different the world was then. Mm. We should be identifying ourselves as Christ. That's the whole reason Christ came. Because guess what? If David wow. was good enough, Christ wouldn't have had to come. So why do we keep identifying ourselves with being these great Davids when we'd be far better off as a society if we were focused on being Christ's? Yeah, and people forget too that they want to identify with the warrior of David. They keep forgetting that David comprehensively was not just a warrior. He was also a writer. He was a singer. The, the boy cried. <laughs> he was like, a dancer. You look, like he, you look at the book of Psalms. Most of the book, what, what, you, you did a series on that. We yeah. talked about lament. Uh -huh. And like the entire time, he's sitting up there crying like a little witch. Right. And so it was just like, you know, and then he sucked as a family man. Yeah. There were, oh my gosh, there were so many things that were wrong with David. And these same guys would make fun of you for crying. No one ever says, man, I want to be like David the shepherd. <laughs> <laughs> it's always, I want to be like David the warrior, David the king. Well, guess what? David had to do all this other stuff before he became those things, you know? And you mentioned the repentance. The thing about repentance is that we have to realize that we are flawed and then come and request forgiveness. What's happening far too often, because I like what you said about what pastors should be saying. However, that requires a great deal of humility. And mm -hmm. based on how we're, we're holding a lot of leadership in a position in our churches today and in, in Christian culture today, we're not demanding that humility of them. So they're certainly not just going to give it freely because guess what? That's really difficult to do. Um, right. But repentance is about, it, it's kind of like somebody who's trying to get over alcoholism or drug abuse. Like if you, you have to be the one who wants to change. If you're getting caught and then repenting, mm, <laughs> that's not really the same thing. Like that's, that's, it's, it's cyclical. That's how that works. Like God deals with folk in private before he does in public. I'm right. sorry. You see that throughout the Bible. Yeah. That's the whole point. That's the case in point. That's why Nathan did that to David the way that he did it. He also did it the right way. He didn't do it the way that we do it in our current culture and our current climate, but it doesn't change the fact that it still needs to happen. And if we're not willing to, and we're not because we are a nation that wears a mask that hides all of our shame. Um, and I mean, yeah, that can be global too, but I'm sorry, we've had that conversation before. In collectivism and other cultures, especially in Eastern cultures, you don't mess up because you know that it brings shame upon your family. Right. 
saying? And so, yeah, that's one of the main reasons that you would not do something like that. With us, we're far too individualistic. And then on top of that, in our individualism, we try and make it look like everything is always honky-dory. Either that or we're an absolute basket case. And so, yeah, what, do, what, what honestly would we expect? What would we expect if you are a leader? If you're a David, if you're whatever, I don't care. If you're the president and CEO of a major organization, and you have not tempered and tamed and trained and conditioned yourself to be, A, like you were saying, humble, and then mm-hmm. B, also uh, somebody who recognizes the absolute need of repentance. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And, and if you're a Christian, let's take that to the next level, understanding that you're already forgiven, putting yourself in a position to make sure that you remain free by confessing. Because confessing is the way that we actually keep ourselves free. If not, then it's like Hebrews chapter 12 all over again. You know, it says you got to run the race and strip off the weight and the sin. Those are two separate things. We can talk about the weight the other, another day. But the sin that so easily entangles is the one that, why do you think it entangles? Like, what do you think, what, what, what's the point in that? Like, how does it entangle? It, it's 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 designed exactly, exactly. You know, and I, so I mean, it's it's a rhetorical question, and it's definitely a rhetorical question in our culture. Be, it's just I don't know. It it's to the point now. I know I have to have grace because I know, like I said, we we've been saying this all over. It's just I, I'm not perfect. You're not perfect, but it baffles me when believers want to hold on to these things. These, I guess you can call them certainties in their world. Because it's something that they can be certain of. It's a huge lack of faith because the minute that they have to expose their insecurities, the minute that they have to expose their inadequacies, then they subject themselves to things that are beyond their control. And that's exactly as Christians what we're supposed to do. Well, and there's this weird fine line of people not understanding the difference between judgment and accountability. Mm. And so too often when we see a story like this or we see something like this, like think about it with your friendships. If you have a friend, somebody that you consider a peer who, you know, screws up, they, they do something, maybe it's something they've been struggling with, you know, who knows what it is, okay? They screw up and they come to you and, and you're their accountability person and they're like, hey, I screwed up. You're usually their accountability person because it is a judgment-free. Like you understand, look, man, <laughs> that's fine. You know, but just the fact that you've got somebody that you can at least talk to and somebody that you can come to, that's, there's already humility built in there. There's already a Christian-centered friendship and relationship built in there. The difference is, is that for whatever reason, we feel like people who are in leadership are no longer our peers. And under Christ, we are all peers. The only time that we have a different level of, of being peers is through the human lens. So there's too many people looking at people like, uh, you know, Falwell or Franklin Graham or whoever it is and going, well, they're clearly a better Christian than I am. And, you know, I mean, that, that's just the thing. They're holding them in this place where, well, and, and then I can't, I should not be judging my leaders or the people that God has put in these positions, that God has, you know, placed in these roles of authority. I don't want to judge them. God tells me not to judge. Accountability is not judgment. Lies. Accountability is not judgment. Yeah. If yeah. someone is going to be 
in a position of any kind of leadership, they must be held accountable. And we know that that's biblical because anyone who is a pastor is going to be doubly <laughs> rewarded and doubly judged. Like it's a, that, that's just, that comes with the territory. You have to keep yourself even further above reproach, which means you have to be even more humble. I know that this is not, it, it's Christianity, but different than what we're used to here in the States. But you look at somebody like our current Pope and it's, it's pretty incredible to see the humility in which he goes about his daily life. And he doesn't think of himself as greater than, it's, it's not somebody who's looking at this as a political position or a power position. Um, if, you know, we watched uh, in the movie CG that we did, we watched the two popes. And, mm-hmm. and what you gain from this man's perspective in life was that it was a position he didn't even want And because of that, they said, that's the position you should have because it's one you didn't want. How many of these men who we see constantly, you know, being hypocritical or falling back or or whatever, how many of them can say, well, this is a position I didn't want? No. Oh, hey, Falwell, there's your one. Yeah. Well, (laughs) the thing is, is that he's claiming he didn't want it. Well, if you didn't want it, guess what? You had every opportunity in your life not to take it because- you're claiming you're not even a Christian leader. So if that's true, God didn't even call you to that position. So you had every chance not to follow in your dad's footsteps if you didn't want to, because you're even claiming that this wasn't even a God thing. Otherwise, you would feel like you are a Christian leader. So nice try trying to, you know, back your way out of that one, but that's not even going to hold up. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, long story less, that's, that's the petty Eddie. Oh. Uh, because we we I I could park on that. We could talk about that all night, but we have other things to discuss. Yes, mm. and my other things, unfortunately, uh, we get to carry on the broken record. We get to pass the baton to yet another name, another individual who does not want to be involved in this race uh, that we have called race, and that is Jacob Floyd. Uh, not Jacob Floyd, Blake. Grief. Yeah, the names come mingle right now. Seriously, because there's too many of them. That's why. Exactly, 100%. Um, but yeah, so in case anybody doesn't know, yes, uh, a few nights ago, uh, we found, or a few days ago, we found ourselves in a similar predicament where uh, a video surfaces. And in that video, uh, we find ourselves looking at uh, officers. Um, Accosting an individual, an African-American individual, uh, who, uh, for what it's worth, we don't know the entire story. I'll always say that. Uh, But it almost doesn't matter. Because if you look at the video, there is, um, if I'm right, I I just saw the beginning. I didn't even want to watch the rest, so I didn't watch the rest. Uh, But if I'm right, there's like, what, three police officers? Uh, Something like that. It seems like there's at least three who are in direct vicinity of him. And it seemed like there were more around. Um, Like yourself, I I watched it once and that was good enough for me. Uh, It wasn't something that I felt like I needed to um, break down game film on. Uh, So I, you know, I don't have an accurate picture of what was going on per se. Um, That said, I still have an accurate enough idea that, I don't understand quite how this, how this plays out. Like, I don't understand how you're trained 
to basically hold your gun on someone, follow them around a car until they then get in a car. And uh, I, I was just at a loss for the, any protocols that might exist there. Yeah. No, that, I mean, that, that was kind of my point. Like it's one person, um, three officers, um, and the math on that equates to me that it should not have been seven rounds in, in the back on top of that. You know, just, I don't know. I, for the life of me, as we continue to have these conversations, I'm glad that they're out in the open, but I cannot really wrap my head around the reasoning. Um, and it's, it's so much so, like I said, I've, I've got a couple of friends that are police officers that I love and I really appreciate. You know, just being able to have conversations with him. None of them are, well, one of them is black. He's a, he was a detective. Uh, he's up in Charlottesville now. Shouts to B. Hall. But, um, you know, just the conversations that I've had with the, with those who are local, just asking them real questions like, yo, when you look at this situation, what do you see? And they give me their honest feedback. And I appreciate it. Um, and so far, you know, I actually haven't had a conversation with any of them concerning this one yet. And I don't even know what they would say. But in this particular situation, it's almost like for me, there's there's no there's no way that we can have the the conversations that we've had previously about, well, you know, this is this, that is that, and the other was the other. Nah, nah. I mean, before he makes it to that car, there's some way that they can restrain him. Right. If that's necessary. Right. You know, and and for what is worth, this even has me like, you know, studying um, you know, the the the, the legal means of enforcement, um, you know, and and there's something that they came out with years ago, time, distance, and cover. And it's the ability to make sure that you take a step back and read the entire situation. And no, you know, for what it's worth, I could be getting in a whole lot of trouble with this, but I almost don't care um, because the training systems for a lot of these, um, I, I question them. And I mean, this is on a, this is on a, a, a bigger level. Like, I'm beginning to to ask the same questions that um, have been brought up globally on how other law enforcement systems or other law enforcement organizations across the world uh, still require four years of a degree of some sort. And yet we only require, in some cases, weeks to months of training. And many of them aren't armed the same way as ours are. So, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And I mean, you know, we we can have 8 million conversations about history. We can trace all this back to the fact that our law enforcement system was actually created uh, to to find and capture and bring back slaves who ran away from owners. Well, we, we, we could do this all day, man. We really, really could. But right now, I think that the biggest thing that is on my mind um, is what are we really looking at while we have this conversation concerning action regarding law enforcement that do this stuff. And I mean, you know, if it's an accident, it's an accident. Let me just be clear. If it's, if it's a situation where it's really hard to read and there's a lot of ambiguity, even if that doesn't make the situation right, you know, that that's one thing. But when we have you on camera and you shoot somebody in the back seven times as if one wasn't going to do it, mm -hmm. you know, and again, I know the, the situation is heightened. All these other things you can give me that I have 
very, very graciously listened to from people who weren't even law enforcement that just want to try and explain stuff to me. And, and, and yeah, for them, no. I, I dismiss a lot of stuff <laughs> and I still think they're wrong. Yeah. But when you want to do this, this is, this is my, this is, it's not a fear. It's a huge concern of mine. It's two words. And yeah, you know, we've had this conversation already and this conversation is going to continue to come up. Qualified immunity. I am so afraid because a knee wasn't on this man's neck. The police officers who shot him aren't going to be incarcerated. We've already had this conversation concerning Breonna Taylor. Also, again, by the way, Breonna Taylor. Yeah. Why don't we do something about that? Come yeah. on. It's, it's you know, been long this enough. Is, it's, it's, it's one of those things that is beyond baffling, beyond mind-boggling, and people really wonder how and why a person like me could think that way. Well, let me explain real quick. I love Jesus. I love people. And I desire to conciliate or reconcile everybody to God that I can. You know, for what it's worth, I don't care about accolades, but it's cool to achieve and accomplish stuff. And I got degrees and I get awards. Shout out to my beautiful and amazing college that I love, WLC. Got a faculty of the year award um, that I even feel like I I don't deserve, but whatever. It's it's awesome. It's amazing. and And I'm glad I'm able to do that stuff. I could be in the wrong place at the wrong time one day with somebody who does not know me, doesn't know anything that I'm about. And because of a situation that they read wrong, I'll just say it that way. Mm -hmm. I may cease to exist because of the color of my skin. And people who discredit that, they they don't get it. They don't understand that. (laughs) They really, really don't. And it's just... I don't know. You know, we we can talk about reaching breaking points. I think I had my breaking point a long time ago. Right now, I'm just I'm in a position where I understand that there is power and peace, as there has to be, a peace that transcends all understanding. Because I sure enough don't understand this.